Is the best of two pros in a cup of Joe with LeVar Arrington, Brady Quinn, and Jonas Knox on Fox Sports Radio. Listen, it was uh, months ago when one man on this show, and that man is Brady Quinn, dubbed every single Friday a damn football. Yes, Friday. here we go. Here and we you go. Bet here your we go. Sweet here we go. Ass. And there may here not go. be here we go. Here we any go. games of significance. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. And the yeah. NBA can kiss football our Friday. Ass. Come on. Touchdown. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Two point yeah. first down. Come on. Is, is that football a football Friday? Is that a pylon? Yeah. Uh, 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 and uh, oh, yeah. and away we go. Uh, <laughs> 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 by the way, if you're wondering, are you guys going to be doing that after uh, the next couple of weeks when there's no more football? Absolutely. Every single <laughs> Friday is a football <laughs> Friday. Let's not, Christmas lights up. Let's not disrespect the XFL, the USFL, mm, who will be starting point. to play games. They're coming mm-hmm. up this spring. Mm-hmm. We will have football. All right. We'll have uh, some draft some talk, draft some talk. Off, mm-hmm. off-season, free agency, mm-hmm. a lot of moving parts there, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Can I just say this about the XFL? The last XFL that they rolled out mm-hmm. – it was starting to work, and then COVID, COVID hit. COVID hit it. Yeah. Brady, you were in Tampa, right? Yeah. Getting ready to so, call a game. No lie, Lavar. I, I, Jonas knows this because I was like, <laughs> I was at, I was literally on the field, and I'm getting calls from Fox. I'm hearing things, obviously, from the various reporters, and I'm, I'm there talking to the Tampa Bay team, watching them practice. Which, not to get off on a complete tangent, it was pretty cool seeing that whole thing or- orchestrated because. You know, it wasn't so much about money. It was about football. It was about, you know, the coaches there just trying to teach kids. And they were trying to, you know, get them another shot. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't so much about, hey, how much am I getting paid now? It was like, hopefully I can get it in the future. But, but anyway, I was sitting there, I'm like, in my hotel going, I, and I knew this wasn't going to happen, but I'm still going through the motions with the coaches and players talking to them. And I'm like, yeah, th- th- this is going to get canceled. It's all going to get shut down. And I don't know if it'll ever open back up again. Um, but the players were hopeful. The players won to play. They won that opportunity. Um, but then COVID hit, and that was that was a wrap. That's that crazy. was the end of that. Yeah, it was, man, I was really. They got uh, what, like two it. or three games in? Yeah, uh, it wasn't a it was lot. A, it was a few. Or was it was six games. Or, or the, I thought I, they got in more games than the other league. The AAF. Up. I think the, the AAF got AAF, got one right. more one more game in than them before they yeah. uh, before they shut down. But yeah, that was non COVID related. That was uh, you know. Ladies they, and gentlemen. <laughs> this is the XS <laughs> I, You know what I don't get? I still don't understand. Because I, I, you love that. I love yeah, him. You love it. I love him. There, there's like this niche where players out of high school who don't really want to go to college, but they want to play professional football, there's kind of that niche out there. And I don't know why the XFL or the USFL hasn't tried to tap into that. I mean, we see it in basketball with the G League. Now, granted, that's associated with the NBA. But eventually, you'd think that the NFL would see this, but I don't think they want to go in direct competition with universities. So I I know it's a much more complicated conversation, but I I just – I wonder if at one point one of these startup leagues would say, hey, if you don't want to go to, you know, the normal college experience, which I think COVID taught us – I'm not sure there will ever be a normal college experience where you actually go off to school and are always attending classes in person. If that's the case, then why not have this opportunity for kids to play football in one of these leagues and then prepare themselves potentially for the draft combine and and to go in the NFL? 
Sounds like the JUCO transfer portal. Why not? Pretty much, right? Well, do you guys uh, now just ask the question because you guys played with a lot of guys who didn't go to the NFL. You were the you were the top tier first round draft picks, but a lot of your teammates in college didn't ever play football again. A lot of those dudes was top-tier athletes, bro. Yeah, I know. but but, but, but <laughs> They couldn't hold it together. Homesick, grades, so, girls. So if there were – if you had teammates – if you had teammates <laughs> that never played football again, it's not maybe because they didn't want to play. Maybe there wasn't opportunities. So isn't there, to Brady's point, like a, a, a big crop of players that maybe don't want to go to well, Canada well, to play in the me, CFL? Me, I mean – the, the easy answer is yes, but if if you wanted to play, you would have did what you needed to do to stay on the team. That's that's. Let me just get that out of the way. If what about, you, I don't know, man. What about the guys that were on the team that just weren't quite good enough to go to the NFL, but still wanted to play, weren't ready to? to yeah, they pack go to up. the CFL. But now you've got all these other options. I, I think this is they great for a lot of kids. They do arena league football. They do local flag football. I mean, that's that's what it's been. <laughs> local no. flag. Football. We, we had <laughs> guys who like they knew if they weren't the going to make it, they weren't going to make it in the NFL. They just said, I- "I'm going to move on to the next step in my life." Yeah, some of them. Some. I mean, well, mo- all of them because you have to. Yeah. You have to. Whether that next phase is I'm going to go sit on the couch back at home, whether it's I'm going to get my degree. And and start down a different lane. Whatever it is, you see that that the craziness about this is that happens way more than the latter, right? That happens way more than watching a guy transcend to you know being a NFL player. You see guys leave all the time. Like what happened to such and such? Oh, he transferred. Oh, he left. You you hear about it all the time. Then when you're coming out. You know, there's always that idea that there's hope for your class, right? But if you think about it, how many people that graduate with you from college, leave with you from college, are going to stay on an active role roster? It's not many. No. So that's every year. You're seeing that every single year. So now at least now they got opportunities. Now they I mean, can that's, uh, continue that's what, playing. It's always seemed to be the idea. And again, my whole thing with this, you know, we're, we'll go into these hires, this new hire. If you have competition, if if there's ever a league that actually catches on and can can hold on to talent that's as good as the talent in the National Football League, if there's ever coaches that are as talented as coaches in the NFL that are holding on into these leagues, that's where the competition comes into play where you start to have the idea and the conversations of these conversations that have been persisting through the last few days. Yeah, it, that's it, you ain't gonna do that. It, right, it, the NFL's it, been around for too long. And that's the and know? that is that is ultimately what you just said, that is ultimately the reason why there will always be the conversations that continue to persist. Because there is there is no other entity that could create the the comparison or or competitive uh, approach to what it is that you have to do. Well, there is a uh, an organization that is uh, on par, yes. with an arena league team, Uh-oh, a geez. CFL team, oh geez, you know, an AAF team. Well, give the Argonauts and, and, a little credit. And that mm-hmm. that organization is the Jacksonville Jaguars, who after over a month and a half have a head coach. The Jacksonville Jaguars are on the board. They've right. got a head coach in Jacksonville, Doug Peterson. We segue. That was like yeah. almost like a teamwork segue Damn right, right there. I like, I like that, man. Doug Peterson. Uh, 
good. To go along with the visor, we'll need a snorkel for those swimming pools at the stadium there and whatever the hell it's called these days <laughs> because the Jacksonville Jaguars have hired Doug Peterson as their head coach uh, after that botched job with Byron Leftwich. Uh, I'm also seeing that Doug Peterson wasn't thrilled with the idea of working with Trent Baalke, but nonetheless, uh, Super Bowl winning head coach now takes over in Jacksonville with the idea of, hey, whatever we do, let's try and not ruin Trevor Lawrence's career uh, any more than we may have already done with whatever the hell that performance was that we put on last year that we tried to blame on Urban Meyer. So congratulations, the Jags are on the floor, Brady. Your Jacksonville Jaguars, Brady Quinn. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I've, Your I've never rooted yeah. for the Jags in my life. Never in my life. I, I do feel for Trevor Lawrence because this, this whole process was a circus. I mean, l- let's get to the news before the actual news. The guy who they really wanted, Byron Leftwich, pulled his name out. And it was because Trent Baalke didn't want to get – he wanted to stand his position of power. He kneecapped Urban Meyer. And now Doug Peterson sets himself up to have another contentious relationship with a guy in the front office, kind of similar to how he did with Howie Roseman. So here we go again for Doug Peterson. But, you know, you're hiring a guy that you're hoping can come in and develop your quarterback and, and get this team to be a potential Super Bowl team. He did that in Philly. That's great. It's it's just it's hard to it's hard really to look at this and have much optimism, considering you had a candidate who was very qualified, former player there should have been the guy he he wanted to bring in his own general manager that he trusts he knows Adrian Wilson who you know I, I trained around, I played against I mean he's he was a hell of a player and he and he's done a tremendous job where he's at. The whole thing, just I'm beside myself because, you know, when we talk about bigger issues in the hiring process in the NFL, here's an example of it. And this had nothing to do with an owner. This is someone at the general manager level who's keeping a minority candidate from getting hired because he doesn't want to get, you know, he doesn't want to get taken out. And, and, I, and I get that because he's just trying to survive in his spot. But there's an example of that. It has nothing to do with ownership. It, has, it happens to do with a guy in a position of power who wants to stay in a position of power at that level. Now, the interesting thing is if they bring in Rick Spielman, longtime general manager for the Minnesota Vikings, who's got a wealth of knowledge, he'd be great for that organization. It's almost like they're setting up, they're setting up to fire Trent Bulk and move on from him. But they should have taken a page basically out of you know, the, the playbook when you're looking at, it's a little different than the Giants, but obviously they, they try to keep a head coach and play as higher general manager. They realized, oh, we can't hire the guy we want because there's some candidates who don't want to walk into this situation. And, and it's, this is a similar light where you had a candidate in Byron Leftwich who you wanted, but he didn't want to walk into that situation with Trent Bulky. So I, I just, I feel for Trevor. I feel for these young players. This organization is an absolute circus. That's the only <laughs> way of describing it. I think you got to hold ownership culpable for this. I, I think you got to hold them culpable because they could have said, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna clean house and and we're gonna start with bulky and we're going to build up from the bottom up." I mean, first first thing that you got to do is you got to acknowledge that you have a problem before you can fix the problem. And and if you allow the problem to persist because of something that well, you're you're not yet ready to address, then you're you're culpable for that. It, you know, it's it's funny. One of the running one of the running jokes that 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 I saw was, 
Uh, people were saying there'd probably be another bad mistake made, a bad decision made by Jacksonville before they finished their article. I'm figuring in my mind <laughs> there'll probably be another bad decision made by Jacksonville before I finish my thought, right? The idea of this is is I don't think Doug Peterson is a bad decision for your coach. I mean, outside of Byron Leftwich, if we didn't know about Byron Leftwich having the opportunity to have the job people will probably be sitting there saying that it makes sense. I mean, this is a guy that came into a dysfunctional uh, situation and in year two was able to take Nick Foles and 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 Carson Wentz to, to get a Super Bowl for a team that hadn't won a Super Bowl. So his pedigree, his coaching pedigree makes sense. Him being able to overcome what he was overcoming with the front office and ownership in Philadelphia says that he may have the chops to be able to come in and do what it is that he was able to do in Philadelphia. But then you fast forward to the end of his time in Philadelphia. And if you remember how ugly that got, uh, it it kind of makes you feel like, no, you're of course, Doug Peterson has trepidation about going to Jacksonville and stepping into that scenario. And if you feel as though the guy that, that, People are saying, it's been reported, we do not want to work with him. I do not want to work with him. If that continues to be the conversation and you still allow him to be the one that dictates what's going to happen, as you mentioned, maybe in New York, if Gettleman is the guy that's still dictating what's going to happen, there's a strong possibility you are going to have the same outcomes take place because it's the same influence coming from the same person that's making these decisions. So it'll be interesting to see, even if it is considered to be a good hire, what are you going to do if the same situations continue to persist based on Bulky's presence and influence still being on the organization? You blame Urban Meyer. Come on. <laughs> that's what you do. You blame, I mean, that's you blame their, Urb. That, that, it's all Urban's fault, yes. right, guys? I mean, uh, 100%. I mean, it, it, he hasn't been there a while. but yeah. it's, That's the way this goes, man. Urban Meyer! Yeah, I, I just... <laughs> What, what we a try to tell fest. people no one listened, but I mean, my God. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a slap fest uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm just going to say this. It feels as though maybe this whole thing with Brian Flores isn't exactly going the way that Brian Flores had intended it to go. Uh, Meaning that uh, we've now got uh, rebuttals from not only the Giants, uh, but also uh, John Elway and the Broncos. We talked about Stephen Ross's rebuttal to uh, the uh, accusations. Now, Brian Flores said that uh, on an NPR podcast that Bill Belichick influenced the Giants' decision in the hiring of Brian Dayball. Um, But it was the New York Giants who came out strongly. Not only did they deny the uh, assumption that uh, that Brian Flores uh, was sort of a sham interview. They laid they, out the evidence. An itinerary of the entire day in which they got together, which is something similar to what Denver did the, the day before. And then John Elway came out, and he came out strong in denying and had timelines of the entire meeting that they had back in 2019. And I just get this funny suspicion that outside of the $100,000 bribery that we've talked about that this may not go exactly the way a lot of people thought initially when Brian Flores came out with the accusations. There we go. I, I told you, I told you guys last night I was talking to a, a buddy who's an attorney 
And now he's, he's more in the baseball world as far as representing some athletes. But his exact words upon walking up and greeting one another were, hey, man, if you follow this Brian Flores stuff, he's like, uh, if you can get a hold of him, tell him I, I'll give him some better legal advice that he's getting right now. <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't, I, again, it, it goes back to what's become public. And looking at it, you're going, yeah, there was some bribery there. And are there issues with the NFL and their hiring practices for minority coaches? No one's going to deny that. But the examples that you're trying to highlight and push forward, it's like, dude, this, this, this isn't demonstrating that. So there better be more behind that. Otherwise, this is career suicide. And that's why you're seeing teams come out vehemently, vehemently really defending themselves. And, and you didn't even mention Jimmy Haslam. Oh, that's I mean, right. Yes. Jimmy Haslam's yes. comments about Hugh Jackson. <laughs> I mean, he, what would he say? Hugh's never been a, accountable for one thing? Yeah, he's uh, Jimmy Haslam basically said that I've taken responsibility for our time here with Hugh Jackson. Hugh's never done any of that. So it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, this is not going well for anybody. I mean, I, I just, I feel like, again, if, if you want to make those accusations, there's there's got to be further evidence or proof. And the whole... $100,000 for losing a game, that's, that's bribery. It's, it's a completely different, you know, it's a completely different rule or law that you're talking about that was an issue. And so it, it, it doesn't really go with the messaging that you initially sent out. And that's the hard part of seeing, like as LeVar said all week, like what's the end game? Where does this go? Well, it's not going to go anywhere if that's how you were putting this out. You know, I, I think if, if you had phrased it maybe a little different or, or had your messaging be a little different, and talked about some of the issues and some of the things that's happening behind the scenes, and then and making this as part of it, then I think it sheds a different light on it. But I, I, this this seems to be like it's not going anywhere fast. They're going to have a hard time proving it, at least based on what we know now. <sighs> I, I'm, first off, I'm tired of the conversation. I'm I'm tired of dealing with the backlash that I get for for shoot from the hip. I'm tired of it. This, this, Why this, you get pushed back? That's because you read so, Twitter. So, <laughs> Twitter so, professional so, wrestling. It, it, yeah. This is such a simple situation. the 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 topic of hiring minority coaches and minority GMs and and minority minorities being hired for for situations is not a simple topic. It is clearly an issue. Is clearly a problem, but. Every single time a minority has an issue does not necessarily make it based upon the premise of what it is that that situation is. And I think that if I'm being honest and and, and all respect due to, to what Brian Flores has accomplished, if I'm being honest, this is a man who had his ego bruised and and hurt by how he felt things were handled and was looking to employ more people to come to his support and his backing to validate what he was feeling. That's more personal than it is calling an entire group of people and their their ethnic racial orientation, calling that to your, your defense. I'm not going to be the one. I'll be the first one. I'll be the first one if I feel as though that's what it is. I'm going all in on it. I'll be the first one to do it. But that ain't it right here. And if you're going to get upset because you're a minority, I'm a minority, 
I know what it is to be black. I know what it is to to deal with the pressures of what it is to be a black man in America. I get that. I will always stand up and defend that. I will always be a part of defending that. But I'll also shoot from, from a level of, if that ain't it, that ain't it. That's just who I am. Nobody's ever going to compromise that with me. I'm never I'm never going to be I'm never going to be cause over right ever. I'm always be right for right. Right for right means that if it's right, I'm in. If it's if it's cause over right and it's not right, but it's cause, I'm not. Sorry. Not going to do it. This situation here is very cut and dry. He feels as though he should have been treated differently. He wasn't treated differently. Now you're trying to wrap all of these different issues to try to justify why you were treated the way that you were treated, trying to get other people. Let me ask you this. How many people have joined the class action lawsuit? How many uh, have joined? I don't believe anybody. <laughs> As of yet. Well, I so, mean, so, I mean Hugh, Hugh's still trying to. I think that. I'm not sure if they want to. If, if Hugh tried to join... If he tried yeah. to join the class action lawsuit based off of the reasoning that he gave, that's out the door already yeah. anyway. Hey, uh, Hugh, uh, you know, if you could just step away from the mic, please. We, you you uh, should have. You should have. Like win this thing. You should have 100 percent said that we they asked me to throw these games. They asked me to throw these games and pay me for it, and then they fired me without cause. Like that. That goes to what Flores's oh, point is. Man. Not they kept rehiring me, and then you might have not have known this, but they they awarded me an extension. After year three, <laughs> what are they for, doing? For getting my ass kicked, like, listen, you's my guy. I, I know you personally, so I, you know. But, but, but again, right is right, and and I'm always going to look at it from that that perspective. I I'm sitting there thinking, is it going to be the legal teams that come after Flores and and make this a bloodbath, or is it going to be? I'm gonna tell you like this. I'm gonna put y'all up on a little bit of game. If an owner or a GM, or an official comes out with a statement when it is a legal situation that's involved, they're not wrong. I just put you up on a little bit of game. Listen to what I just hit you with. If an owner of ownership, if if management, GM, president, whatever, comes out and makes a statement as, as... as boldly and as as candid as these guys are coming out and doing, they're not afraid of the legal ramifications that are going to take place. If this was something real, their representation, the 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 organization would have came out with a statement. We're doing we're doing further investigations. We're doing X, Y, and Z. The lawyers would have came out. They would have had a statement at, prepared as to what it is and where they're going with this. You would not have heard them coming out and going ham on the scenario. And that right there tells you all you need to know. They are going like, I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't know how long. So now it goes back to my original point. What is the ultimate end? Right. What is the ultimate goal here? I I, I wouldn't go that far. I, I think what, what's really unique about this entire scenario is a coach who, you know, has had a winning record the past two seasons. Even though it's about the same as Adam Gase didn't make it to the playoffs. Just throwing that out there. Um, and it's still up. It's still a finalist. Reportedly, is still a finalist for a, an open head coaching vacancy. Decided to file this class action lawsuit. 
I mean, I think it caught everyone off guard. This, if you would have told me that you were going to have a coach who started off the season one and seven, won what eight of his last nine games, whatever it was, if you were going to tell me that he was going to then turn around and be filing a class action lawsuit after the season while still up, I mean, one getting fired—that was the surprising part. But then two, being still up for head coaching jobs and filing a class action lawsuit, I would have been like, yeah, that's the winner. That's, that's, the, uh, that's the one that no one saw coming. And so I think it caught everyone off guard and by surprise. And even how he's continued to conduct himself where he went right to the media and yeah. press. He went on a, a media tour. Yeah. So I, I don't necessarily know that there's not more behind the scenes – I just don't know if we're ever going to get there because I don't know that we'll get to a point where that evidence will display itself if if, in, if it's even there, right? I mean, he he went on the offensive so fast, the NFL had to respond. They had to put out some of these harsh statements. They had to provide evidence of, hey, you know, you could say whatever you want, but, you know, here, here's the itineraries. This is how it went. We're, we're having people put out statements. And, and I also think it was, you know, it, it, look – especially for John Elway, yeah. regardless of what people think about him, if you're going to take a shot at the guy and say he was drunk coming, I mean, that's, it's, it's careless. And, and, and he's put himself now in such a public position where he keeps talking, he keeps talking to everyone, inter- being interviewed, that all this is going to be used against him now. And, and so I kind of go back to, even if there was a case for Brian Flores, the two clown attorneys who are a part of, are, are with him, God, man, they, they've given him some bad, bad advice. And this is, I wonder, what, what prompted him to do this? And, and you know, because he, he you, because when you get your feelings he, hurt, man. When I, you, when you think you're, when you feel as though something is supposed to be what it is and it isn't, it doesn't turn out to be that, you'd be surprised what action people take. Okay. So because Bill Belichick confused Brian's in his phone, well, which I'm sure there's uh, more to it than uh, that, but, but, but that's, that's the evidence they presented. That, and, and, and you know, and what's so, interesting about that? Go finish your well, point. I, but though. I'm uh, just, I look at it and I go, so that prompted you to do all this and then to go back in time and remember John Elway and the Broncos staff being drunk, even though you in a, in a, in a press conference with the media talked about how great the interview was. And then you complained about uh, about all the other situations in Miami and the hundred thousand I mean, dollars. Did he just keep all that in his back so, pocket and go, man, if I ever get offended or somebody makes fun of me or I, or I get I get that's, fired. That, that's where in court it gets thrown out. Because you've already publicly made a statement, yeah. so how are you gonna how are you to come back from that? It's just weird. Here, here, here's what's interesting. Like I'm I'm sitting here, I'm paying attention to everything that's going on with this modern day stuff, right? And when you think about going after something or somebody, an institution, you got a whistle blow. You got a whistle blow. Like you have to. Otherwise, like you can't say, Oh, I have I have a person that, that can can confirm that that no, you better have, like you said, Brady, you better have some hard evidence as to what was taking place. Video, you know, emails, ask, ask John Gruden about that, uh, ask, ask Dan Snyder about that. Yeah. You better have hard evidence. So if you're gonna if you're gonna start out with your 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 firing, you're you're firing your guns off. You're firing your round off, and your round is to put Bill Belichick out there on Front Street. In terms of this is why this is going where it's going to go, you had better come with more than that 
and and it better be way more damning. Like it better be. Here's the surveillance, right? I'm sitting here. I'm thinking about some of the things that are, have taken place and why the, cer- certain people don't have jobs anymore. Where is the surveillance? Where where are the the written reports of the accounts given by those people that you are saying are witnesses or parties to what took place? Have all of those things ready to go. Well, maybe he t- made John Elway take a breathalyzer test while he was there. He still got the have it. in an envelope somewhere. Well, the, have pro- it. The, the problem is when John have comes it. back and says to him, well, if we look the shovel, it's probably because we were interviewing and flying from Denver. And not only does that kind of make Flora's accusation look awful, it actually holds up, too. They were one of the only crews who, this year, when they end up hiring Nathaniel Hackett, they flew around privately everywhere. I mean, a lot of teams got accustomed to doing the Zoom interviews, and that's another thing that was interesting about the timeline of Flores with the New York Giants was I believe at that point when they were going through and conducting some of these interviews. It was just Zooms. It was just Zoom. Like they, and and so they said what they weren't going to hire based off hire. of a Zoom, a Zoom yeah. interview, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so there's that, but um, the, you know, Denver was one of the only teams that did that this year where they flew around privately everywhere they went to meet with the candidates in person, face-to-face. And, and so it's, it's not even something that's foreign or uncommon. It's something that was a normal practice for them. And so, yeah, it, it would make sense that they might be a little bit tired if they got, you know, they stayed up late for an interview, they're flying in early or through the night, trying to sleep on the plane, whatever it was, to make sure they could find the right coach. I just It makes him look even worse, me and Brian Flores, for making an accusation where there's like, all right, what proof do you have to back it up? Nothing. It, nothing right now. It's, it's literally start, just an accusation. You better and it, start snitching. <laughs> yeah. You better be the best snitch ever. Oh, if you're going you to try to employ the entire racial group that you are associated with to back you up uh, on this, you better snitch. Yeah, if, if you're a liquor, it don't matter. Uh, like, hey, if you're if you're a liquor store owner in Denver, expect a call from the team Flores uh, lawyers to uh, that'll you, hit you up to you see whether or not John singing. went in there and bought a bottle of Jack Daniels before the interview. I mean, it, 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 uh, I mean. It, <laughs> Does snitching matter if you're going against the man? I mean, honestly, <laughs> that, maybe that's not snitching. You better be telling. Oh, Someone yeah. say shovel. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Right now, we turn it over to one of our guys. He's Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter at the MMQB. You can get him on Twitter, at Albert Breer, uh, at the Senior Bowl. Now, uh, how is uh, Mobile, Alabama? Are you uh, diving into some of the barbecue there? What's the scene like, Albert? I'm not there anymore, actually. I got okay. back late last well, night. Oh, but, wow. Uh, in and out. If you guys can see, my, my voice is a little raspy, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a long few days. Yeah. Well, that's pretty I, much I the standard, not, I did not wind up going to Dreamland. Oh, no. Um, I like I like Dreamland barbecue, but 
I uh, I did go. Like they've got a lot of great like like Southern style seafood down there. Mm. Uh, it's actually like pretty underrated for that stuff. Mm. I mean, mm. I, I would have just right. gotten. I'll be honest with you. This is the difference between Albert and myself. Uh, I would have just gotten hammered, hammered every single night out there. Hey, he hey, wouldn't do that though. Hey Al, did you get an opportunity to check out Jesse Laquetta while you were watching practices? What the defense? The defensive end linebacker um, from Penn State. From Penn State. He's, he's, he's asking about a Penn State. Yeah. I didn't. I, I didn't get a great look at him. No, oh, I, I'll be honest, oh, guys. When I go, we don't have bigger things I'll, to talk I'll about. I'll be honest, guys. Like, when I go to these, things, that's why I want to throw it out there quickly. This is way more of like a networking thing for me. Okay. So right. like, so you I aren't mean, scouting. I, I, well, I watch practice, but I'm there to gather information and network and from all the coaches that, and stuff. So. I got yeah. you. I got you. Hey, um, yeah. Albert, did you see the Notre Dame guy? I'm just, I'm just, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I just, I, I just I figured I'd start it off with something I quick. See, you know, I did see something you said in regards to the Dolphins and Stephen Ross yesterday, and I, and, I, and I want our audience to hear it, whether or not this is legitimate. Did I, yeah. did I hear you say that you think Stephen Ross is going to defend this allegation by Brian Flores about 100 k per loss by saying he did say it in a joking manner? Is the, Did I hear that right? Uh-oh. Yeah, I mean, look, that was one thing I had sort of heard over the last couple of days and, you know, discussing obviously what was in the lawsuit with people was that, like, the idea that he could say – I was joking around, and Uh-oh. I mean, I, I mean, look, like I don't know whether or not he said it directly to anybody. Um, it's just one thing I heard that he could, that he could say that he was he was joking about the hundred thousand dollar payments, and obviously, I mean, Brady lived down there. Like, it was a big topic of discussion for that full year. Um, you know, a lot of people thought they were tanking, and you know, all the the the, the t- transactions over the course of that year, clearing cap space, building up draft capital trading away veterans like Minka Fitzpatrick and Laramie Tunsil. Um, you know, I, I, it was obviously a big topic of discussion in South Florida that entire year. And so, yeah, I mean, that was one thing that sort of, you know, I, I came up over the last couple of days was that maybe Stephen Ross would defend himself in this case by saying that he was joking around about incentivizing tanking. Yeah. That could, I mean, you want to follow up on that, Brady, or do we want to move on from that? I mean, yeah, you can follow up. I, I, I mean, uh, is that is that wise to even allow that to to leak out as a leaked out approach to this? That, I mean, that sounds yeah. horrible. Yeah, I does. mean, the whole thing's horrible. The whole thing's not good, guys. I mean, like, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, and I haven't seen the movie in a long time, but isn't this like Shoeless Joe? Right? Like, I mean, like, yeah. I. I I don't know, like, the difference. Like, I, I don't know where there's a huge difference between this and something like that. And so, you know, if this is legitimate, like, if there was incentives to, to tank, um, you know, then that's a very serious allegation because all anything, all, all any of these sports have, and you guys know this, like, all any of these sports have is that they're played on the level. That's, the, that's what separates it from professional wrestling, right? And so, like, I – like uh, like any sort of accusation like this has to be taken very very seriously and look like if there's legitimacy to what Brian Flores is accusing Stephen Ross of I like I mean I almost think you have to make him sell a team like I, this is as serious as it gets and so um you know like obviously like there's this the 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 the, the main thing uh the, the the main point Brian Flores was trying to get across was what happened with his 
personal experience and what it means um, as far as where the, the league stands with diversity in the coaching ranks. But, I mean, that detail um, in this whole thing, I mean, brings about some very, very serious questions. And, you know, again, if, if it's legitimate, if the accusation is legitimate, like, then the league has to take a serious look at Stephen Ross's ownership of the Dolphins. It's uh, Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter at the MMQB, joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, two pros and a cup of joe with you here on FSR. Um, I want to ask you about the Doug Peterson hire in Jacksonville. What the hell happened? What is going on there with Trent Balky, with Byron Leftwich, with uh, candidates not wanting to be a part of it because of Balky's involvement? Like, like, what is the structure there in Jacksonville, and why ultimately was Doug Peterson the guy? Well, so like, this is—I mean, like the the most amazing fact, um, and I, I want to give credit to—I think it was Tim Kalakami out in the Bay Area who initially tweeted this. Um, Trent Balky's last five years in the NFL five different head coaches, three in San Francisco, two in Jacksonville, and now this will be a sixth in six years, (laughs) which is insane, right? And I think it speaks to why there was a lot of distrust towards him. I mean, if we're calling it what it is, people thought he stabbed Jim Harbaugh in the back. People thought he stabbed Jim Tom Sewell in the back. People thought he stabbed Urban Meyer in the back. And, like, people thought he stabbed Dave Caldwell, who hired him there in the back. And... Like, that's why, you know, head coaching candidates were leery about the idea of going there. And it speaks to that distrust. Like, there are only, there are only 32 of these. So the fact that guys were willing to walk away from an opportunity to go there or the chance of an opportunity to go there, I think speaks volumes about where a lot of people stand with Trent Balky. And quite honestly, guys, Doug Peterson was one of those guys. A couple of weeks ago, he was the front runner. He fell off the radar. And I know a lot of people felt like the reason why was he didn't like the structure that was in place there. And so I'm not sure this is completely over as far as what the front office is going to look like. And it'll be really interesting to see whether or not Doug Peterson was able to convince Shad Khan that he had to bring somebody with him. If he was going to be there, there had to be another front office guy there. And so, you know, Rick Spielman's a name that's been thrown around. Rick Spielman and Doug Peterson share an agent. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Rick Spielman, the former Vikings GM, comes in and is paired with, um, with, with Doug Peterson. Because that, that would be the one thing that would explain why Doug Peterson went from really lukewarm interest two weeks ago to now being the head coach of the Jaguars. Let, let, me, let me follow up on that and, and ask you – in terms of him having trepidation because of the structure and all of those things you just mentioned, how much does it play a part in the the narratives that seem to be out there on on the headlines is best decision outside or next or after Byron Leftwich? You're coming into a situation where we all know how it ended up and, and what he had to deal with in Philadelphia. Is, is this has anything surfaced, or do you suspect that there may be a surfacing of addressing the fact that it almost comes as he is the choice based upon them not getting who they originally wanted to bring in and what he represents, Byron Leftwich, that is, to that yeah. Jacksonville market. I want like like I I want to wait before I pass judgment until I can figure out the complete detail on this because. I mean, I can tell you, like, 
Adrian Wilson and Byron Leftwich are close. Adrian Wilson is seen league-wide as a very viable general manager candidate. And so, like, it makes sense to me that Byron would walk away if he couldn't get the setup he wanted there. And it makes sense to me that that setup might include Adrian Wilson. Now, the next question would be, well, why are you Doug Peters and Rick Spielman if you wouldn't give Byron Leftwich um, Adrian Wilson? And maybe the answer is that maybe Byron Leftwich and Adrian Wilson wanted Trent Balky out altogether. And maybe Doug Peterson wanted Rick Spielman and said, we'll keep Trent Balky in some capacity, but I want Rick Spielman to be in charge. In other words, maybe you make Rick Spielman like the president of football operations and then have Trent Balky working underneath him. That's the only thing that can make sense because there are so many moving pieces here, LeVar, where Trent Balky became such a divisive figure in the search and like how Trent Balky was going to fit into the organization, whether or not Trent Balky was going to be out of the organization became so central to the candidacy of so many of these candidates and central again to the candidacy of the two guys that we've been talking about over the last two weeks directly. And that's Doug Peterson and Byron Leftwich. Hmm. Uh, Albert Breer joining us here on uh, Fox Sports Radio. Um, what happened with Jim Harbaugh and uh, the Minnesota Vikings? Well, they didn't give him an offer. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know if they gave him a heads up and said, you're not getting the job. And then, you know, that allowed him to go back to Michigan and say that he decided to go back to Michigan rather than he didn't get the job in Minnesota. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know, like, how that game was played exactly, but I do know that he wasn't getting an offer in Minnesota. They'd make the decision to go with Kevin O'Connell. And Jim Harbaugh's the announcement that the news coming out that Jim Harbaugh was going back to Michigan coincided with the Vikings making calls to the different candidates and telling them that they were out. And you'd think Jim Harbaugh would have that information since he was in Minnesota that day. So my guess, and this is just a guess, is Harbaugh wanted the Minnesota job and wanted back in the NFL and looked at the Raider job and then saw the writing on the wall, realized it wasn't happening, and recognized, I better go make good with Michigan and I go better make, go make this look a certain way so I can function there the highest level possible going back there in 2022. I, I'm not sure, guys, that he won't be in the NFL in 23 or 24. I think what the last two years have shown us is that he has very real designs on getting back to the NFL. I can tell you when they put him through the pay cut in 2021, he was sniffing around every NFL job. He, I, I know people have talked directly to the Jets and Chargers. And obviously this year was way more outward. His interest in the Raiders, his interest in the Vikings. Um, and, I, and I also know he wasn't happy about having to take the pay cut at Michigan a year ago. So it'll be very interesting seeing where this goes at Michigan over the course of the next year. But I think eventually he's back in the NFL. Mm. Albert, I just want to ask you kind of a general question. Uh, the situation with Brian Flores. What are the next steps? How does this thing continue on? Uh, to the best of our knowledge, we don't believe that anyone else has joined his class action lawsuit. Do you expect um, any other coaches to? Yeah, I don't know if they'll. I, I don't know if they will, Brady. Um, you know, I, I think you know I, Brian Flores has to be applauded for his courage here. It took a lot to, to he did. 
Um, you know, like I, I think more than anything else, more than this being about a single case, I think this is, and you know, I've talked to a, a couple of, I'm people who are, you know, really, really involved in all of this over the last couple of days, who've told me that as much as anything else, this is the frustration level reaching a tipping point. The reason why there were more job openings across the NFL than anybody thought there was going to be this year. People thought it was going to be five or six. It wound up being nine. There was also a ton of you know, qualified minority candidates, guys like Raheem Morris, Todd Bowles, Leslie Frazier, D'Amico Ryans, Gerard Mayo. Uh, like There was a good candidate pool this year. And so you know, I think what Flores' lawsuit sort of sig- signifies is the frustration level of minority coaches hitting a tipping point. And I think the way you want to look at this is as a change of venue. The way the Rooney Rule went in 19 years ago, um, it was under the threat of litigation. It was Johnny Cochran putting together a report and threatening a lawsuit against the NFL based on the fact that there have only been six black head coaches over the first 82 years of the NFL. Um, so what the NFL did was they gamed it. They said, we're going to take it from the courts into our system, into the NFL system. 19 years later, I mean, I think this is Brian Flores and I think the I think other minority coaches who are probably involved in the background saying the NFL system doesn't work, so we have to take it back into the courts. I don't know what the end game is, but I do know that they feel like they need to put more pressure in the league, and this is one way to do it. Um, and as for Brian Flores' future, I know a lot of people have thought, like, maybe he'll never coach in the NFL again. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think he's too good a coach. And I think, you know, he's got too much respect um, from the people who are in that Patriot family. And having talked to some of those people in Mobile over the last couple of days, I, you know, I, I just I can't imagine that if he wants to coach in the NFL again, that opportunity won't be afforded to him. I don't think that that's going to happen. Uh, get him on Twitter, at Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter with the MMQB. Albert, always appreciate it. Get some rest, man. We'll do it again next week. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. All right, Bob. There he is. See you. Um, senior questions for me. Yeah, man. that last that last response left question. God, Stephen Ross. Ran out of time. Stephen Ross, the hell are you doing, dude? <laughs> well, I was joking. Oh, that's good. That is. Uh, that's not gonna fly. That's, <laughs> like, what that's an bad. idiot. Uh, you know, one of the things that bothers me about the, this whole entire topic with everything going on is sometimes people will feel like we're flip flopping. Because one day we'll say one thing and the next day we'll say something else. The reality is, is when you find more information or hear more, you know, and talk to more people, especially qualified people, it, it changes your opinion. It changes how you feel about that's things. media. Yeah, that's yeah. called media. Yeah. That's how it works. Um, yeah, and <laughs> so also flip flop, flopping, backpedaling, it, shut up. It's it's called media work. It, it's called not wanting that's, to have confirmation that's, bias. That's the opportunity of cracking a mic every day. We yes. get new details every day. Uh, well, but speaking, I of, had questions on on the whole Flores going to to the legal legal side of it based off of the frustration, and if it's based off of everyone. Why didn't everyone do this? Oh, snap. Yeah. Guess what I saw? <laughs> Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.